Returning now to the program, as we promised a couple weeks ago, is uh, a voice long familiar to KDVS listeners because up till fairly recently, he had a public affairs show here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Jeff Kravitz, welcome back. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Now, uh, as people, I think, no doubt are aware, you are running for Congress. How's it going? We're, we're moving along here. As you probably know, we are running uh, radio advertisements on the so-called progressive stations, and um, we're hoping to do some TV advertisement. We're getting our campaign workers out there uh, pounding the pavement for me. We are trying to force Matsui into a debate. So far, no luck. Mm-hmm. We had one scheduled for Wednesday night, but... Uh, really? Do, yeah, but she's doing something... And then, well, she she never said she'd show up, but then she has to do something, which is a legitimate thing. Uh, But actually, it's good, because now she said she's not coming because of this other engagement that she has, which is a legitimate uh, fundraising thing for for another legal service. Was was that a bilateral debate you opened to a a challenge, or is the GOP going to get involved? Oh, no, no, it was not like that at all. No, Uh. it was basically uh, the National Lawyers Guild at McGeorge invited all the candidates to the debate. So... Um, we are still hoping, now just because she said she can't do it for that reason, to force her to come to debate another day. Uh, I would not hold my breath, but uh, you never know. And we'd love to, we, what we're really trying to do is get the Republican to come. Because Claire Yan is a law student at Berkeley. At Berkeley, that's right. Okay. And she has, not, she has not set foot in Sacramento <laughs> County during the campaign season so far. <laughs> at least Ms. Mezzui has come up to at least vote, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is a district that the Matsui's basically have owned for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, the federal building is named after the Matsui. And uh, up until, you know, really our campaign has, um, you know, we've been like a rocket ship the past uh, couple of weeks because of the radio advertising. We've got our door hangers out, websites up, we're all, all over the place. I'm hoping to get um, the endorsement of a very important person in the peace movement this week, um, which would be great. Can't really say because it hasn't happened officially yet, but we're hoping. And uh, we're doing all of that. I, I'm, here's what's happening. As you know, Bill Durston is running against Lundgren. I'm sure you know. Have you had Bill Durston on yet? We, we haven't. You have not? No, we have not. Oh, Mr. Durston's a great man, okay. wonderful man, superstar, medical doctor. He's running as the Democratic Party nominee uh, against Lundgren. And then, you know, we've got Charlie Brown running against Doolittle. Yeah, so I a met lot Charlie of the progressives yeah. are very busy working on those campaigns. And, you know, many of them have been up until, I'd say, two weeks ago. They've been happy with the idea of, well, we'll just go along with Matsui as much as we don't like her. But now we are, you know, we're the anti-war candidacy. My campaign is about ending the war. It's not about me. It's about the war, and we are the candidate of the anti-war movement. Uh, That's Jeff Kravitz. That's who I am, of course, is the candidate of the anti-war movement, so to speak. So we're trying to galvanize those people into understanding uh, there's something that I agree with uh, with President Bush. What's that? Uh, you're either with us or you're against us. That man is absolutely right about that. And that's what I really like about him. You're either with the vast majority of patriotic Americans who want to immediately withdraw our troops from Iraq, or you're in favor of President Bush's idiotic policies, which result in the deaths and maimings of hundreds of thousands of young Americans and the waste of hundreds of billions of dollars. There is no middle ground. 
Uh, it's black and white. You're either with us or you're against us. And that's what people have to say. Are you for the end of the war, the immediate withdrawal of all American forces from Iraq, or do you support President Bush and Donald Rumsfeld? So every Democrat who says, um, well, you know, we have to study and do a phased withdrawal, blah 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 bling are essentially saying Donald Rumsfeld's a great man. We agree with him. He's a good man. Because that's what the issue is. How did Doris uh, Matsui vote on when these various uh, enabling laws were... Up? Excellent, good question. Yeah. Doris has voted yes on all of the funding bills, okay? She, is all, she also voted in favor of a bill that would uh, have called for American troops to begin being withdrawn at the end of September, a few weeks ago. Um, she voted for that. But the thing is, once that, dead, once that first so-called deadline was missed, she didn't do anything. The Democrats don't do anything about it. I mean, they don't have a concrete plan. Some do. Of course, there's some. And so forth who do. And if there was a Democratic majority in the Congress, that would be great. But here in Sacramento, essentially, here's the thing. If people are listening to this and live in the 5th Congressional District here in Sacramento and are wondering, should I vote for Jeff Kravitz? Or should I vote for Doris Matsui? Some people might be thinking, well, I don't want the Republicans to win, so I'm not going to vote for a third-party candidate, blah de blah 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 bling Here's the thing. Matsui got 68% of the vote last time. If I could possibly, and the Republicans aren't even really running a real candidate, if it was humanly possible for my vote to swing this election, then, then I would win the election. In other words, it's not possible that I would just swing the election. I would win if that would happen. Being because the, the margin that she has is so great. Okay. Every person who, you know, when they go to the voting booth, if you're in Sacramento, or if you don't live in Sacramento and, you wanna, and you're against the war, in favor of national health concerns, in favor of protecting the rights of immigrants, in favor of the rights of every citizen to not be snatched out of their home and held indefinitely as an enemy combatant, uh, then you should be voting for me. If you don't live in the district, go to my website, uh, kravitzforcongress.org. That's with a K and the word for spelled out, K-R-A-V-I-T-Z, kravitzforcongress.org. Uh, we've raised lots of money. We are running radio ads. We have a very serious campaign. We are, we are the, we are, we're the only candidacy that's out there campaigning, but what we are campaigning for is to end the war. My door hangers saying, bring the troops home now. So if you think you're in the anti-war movement because every once in a while you write a postcard or something or you stand on the street corner and say, end the war or something, no. You've got to get active, and the number of people who are against the war in Sacramento, seriously against the war, who want to see withdrawal of troops, is going to be registered at the ballot box by voting for Jeff Kravitz. You vote for me, you know there's an anti-war movement. Vote for Matsui, you're saying, I support Rumsfeld and Bush. That's simple. Well, Jeff, we're pulling for you. We hope you do well. This is our pre-election show number one. Uh, come back on pre-election show uh, two and, and uh, give us an update. Well, please try to get uh, Mr. Durston on if you can. He's a great man, great man. We'll work on him and Charlie Brown. Okay, excellent. All right. Okay, All right, Jeff. talk to you later. Okay, All right. bye-bye. All right, and as we mentioned at the top of the program, we're going to now go to Ohio. According to Reuters, it's tough being a Republican in Ohio these days. The state that sealed the re-election of President Bush in 2004 used to be a shining example of how the Republican Party could dominate 
even though voters in the state, like voters nationwide, tended to support both Republicans and Democrats more or less equally. Two weeks before the midterm elections, the climate for Republicans in Ohio is so bad, incumbents can't escape criticism even from the party faithful. National leaders are desperately hoping Ohio will not set a trend for the country's November 7th national election for control of Congress. A poll released last week showed 71% of likely Ohio voters believe their state was on the wrong track. 65% said the nation as a whole was headed in the wrong direction. Numbers, according to Reuters, that suggest doom for the party in power. Let's now go to Ohio and check that out. Rejoining us in the program is Dr. Robert Fetrakis, professor of political science uh, from Columbus, Ohio. He is the author of How the GOP Stole America's 2004 Election and is Rigging 2008. He's currently running as the Green Party candidate for governor in Ohio. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Petrakis. Glad to be here. How are things going out in Ohio? Well, there, there's a little tension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, anytime you get, uh, you know, Ken Blackwell <laughs> counting his own vote, uh, <laughs> running for governor and uh, serving as Secretary of State, uh, there's going to be some apprehension. Well, there's a, according to Reuters, uh, this is attac- attracting attention even over in the, across the Atlantic. <laughs> Uh, they're noting that things are uh, things are a bit uh, chaotic in Ohio for for Republicans in particular. Well, yeah, it, it looks like a, a meltdown in terms of uh, a couple of their congressional races. You know, in the twelfth and the fifteenth district. Uh, you know, you've got Nay, <laughs> uh, his handpicked successor, who's uh, tied to a lot of the corruption and cronyism and uh, Abramoff. And, uh, well, yeah, the yeah. scandal there, and they picked, uh, you know, uh, Joy Padgett to replace him. But uh, you know, she's very tied to the Taft administration and the CoinGate scandal, and you know, ended up not paying a seven hundred thousand dollar loan while she was over in the state house that she got as a small business loan. So, uh, uh, a lot of tension in Ohio, and uh, a lot of lawsuits flying around. In fact. Uh, uh, one yesterday, uh, which was consolidated. Uh, in fact, I'm going to court today to uh, observe this myself. I'm of counsel in a case there, uh, challenging the uh, voter registration requirements uh, in part because they're not being applied evenly throughout Ohio. Uh, also reports 10% of the absentee ballots uh, are being rejected uh, out of hand without being counted. Uh, because of the new uh, driver's license requirement. Uh, Ohio, a uh, driver's license has a, a smaller uh, alphanumeric uh, and uh, numerical driver's license, but they have a numerical number that's bigger right over the picture, which okay. is an administrative number. So okay. people put down the big number thinking it's their driver's license, and hence uh, their uh, ballots aren't going to be counted. Oh, my God. What's the normal spoilage rate for like uh, for such such ballots? Oh, I mean, I think you're dealing down there in the less than 1% range. Right, right. So you got a tenfold increase. And particularly what, uh, what the problem is, is a lot of these uh, Republican rural areas are going to count the absentees where, where the Republicans do well. Uh, essentially, these laws are being you know, unequally enforced in the major urban areas where the voters who are absentee tend to vote disproportionately Democratic. Wow. I read here on, uh, on, on a website that uh, Governor Taft has an approval rating of 6.5%, which led uh, pollster John Zogby to comment, I'm not aware of anyone who's ever sunk lower. Yeah, 
I think I think uh, Saddam Hussein was above that prior to the attack. <laughs> he was about at seven eight <laughs> from being an ally back in the eighties. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, and it's down from eight percent. So you know, I mean, when when you when you're uh, two to three times as unpopular as Dick Cheney, you got to wonder. Well, uh, the governor's race, it's, uh, it, you're on the ballot as the Green, and there's a Libertarian candidate, and it looks as though Blackwell's running a distinct second. The, well, yeah, Ted Strickland is uh, clearly uh, ahead, but those are among uh, eligible voters and uh, even likely voters. But, uh, you know, the more they shrink this elec- uh, electorate, you know, which is what they've done with House Bill 3, uh, the more likely, uh, you know, Blackwell is to win. I mean, what Blackwell is praying for is a meltdown, like they had in Cuyahoga County, where Cleveland is in the primary. And the worst part is that's actually a possibility in Ohio. You know, in most states, you'd say, oh, no, there's no way that, uh, you know, Blackwell can win because he's, you know, down by, you know, 15 to 20 points. But Ohio elections, you know, are famous for completely melting down, and people could show up. I mean, we have private vendors that run these uh, registration lists. You could show up and have been voting in the same place for 40 years, and suddenly your name's not there. That's what happened in '04. Jeez. Well, you were involved in, a, in, in uh, some, some legal matters challenging the 2004 results. If Blackwell or other, other candidates appear to pull off an unusual victory, do you think the mood of the electorate would mean that, uh, that the courts will be more likely to really go out and change some things? I think so. There's already a case, uh, a, a couple of, uh, of inner-city associations have already sued Blackwell over the four-hour waits from the 2004 election. Uh, and, you know, I, I've told people, you know, if... If suddenly I start getting, you know, I mean, the polls are showing me at about 2%, which means I may have minus 1% or 5%. But if I am suddenly start getting 10 15% of the vote, I may have to go out and sue, because uh, I don't believe those are my votes. They're, they're probably moved there by Blackwell, and they belong to Ted Strickland, the Democrat. You joined Pat Buchanan in saying in, in Palm Beach, those weren't my votes. Well, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the famed Jews for Buchanan, but... Uh, <laughs> Now, that's one of the things we're looking for, and uh, one of the reasons I have uh, ballot status. Uh, we're placing um, observers uh, in all 88 counties, at least we're attempting to. Uh, there's five independent candidates for statewide office. Again, it's the Greens and the Libertarians, much like with the recount, is we want to get people actually inside. Uh, and uh, we have no problem suing, unlike the Dems, you know, who are going to you know, sort of worry about how they'll be viable if they do this. Well, they'll be sore losers. Uh, you know, we're going to go forward and sue, at, uh, and we'll even do preemptive suing. If we begin to see these uh, electronic uh, databases freezing up and strange moving of votes around, which we saw in 04, you know, we're going to run directly to court uh, and demand that uh, they in- be impounded. Uh, and there be forensic experts take a look at these bizarre abnormalities. Well, Dr. Bob Petrakis, we we appreciate your speaking with us. Hope you do well. And when it, when the dust all settles, hopefully in November we can we can chat again about what went down. Look forward to speaking with you again. And your website again, just one final. Bob4Ohio.com. Bob4Ohio.com. All right, Dr. Robert Petrakis, speaking to us from the state of Ohio. We appreciate it very much. We uh, certainly wish Dr. Robert Fitrakis the best in his run in Ohio. He, of course, uh, uh, has been a political activist, uh, noting a lot of the chicanery going on uh, 
from the Republican Party primarily and uh, is running a very courageous uh, battle out there. And of course, as the Green Party candidate, his chances of winning are, are not uh, are not great. But we will uh, we will certainly report um, in the weeks to come what happens in that uh, governor's race. Closer to home here, uh, I attended the uh, the reception at the Palm Court Hotel here at Third uh, and uh, D Streets in, here in Davis. This was a fundraiser for uh, U.S. Air Force retired Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Brown, who was challenging John Doolittle up in the, uh, I believe, the 5th District, up in the foothills. Uh, at the event, I promptly ran into uh, Ron Glick, my fellow public affairs host here at uh, KDVS. Ron hosts Speaking in Tongues, along with Richard Estes, which um, appears on KDVS every Friday at 5 o'clock. Uh, Ron and I were talking to Todd Stenhouse, who was uh, the communications director for Charlie Brown, and uh, Ron pointed out that at an event about a year and a half ago, Charlie Brown walked up to him and said, Hi, I'm Charlie Brown. I'm running for Congress against John Doolittle. Ron said he asked him, as a Democrat? He said he thought to himself, well, good luck with that fella. But uh, polls show that it's, uh, it's pretty darn close, and Charlie Brown has a shot. It turns out we were not able to arrange an interview for this week's program, but we will try for next week. He gave a speech to a very enthusiastic audience there in, uh, in, in the hotel, as did former Ambassador Joe Wilson. We're pleased to have been able to bring you Joe Wilson uh, three years ago when the scandal first broke. That scandal being, of course, the outing of his wife by the White House in retribution for the ambassador's actions, which were notifying the public via an op-ed piece in the New York Times that it was deliberate deception for George Bush in his State of the Union address to imply that uranium yellow cake had been purchased from Niger. Wilson knew that because he was the government's agent sent to Niger to look into the story, and he reported back that there was nothing to it. At any rate, uh, let's give you an excerpt of uh, Ambassador Joe Wilson's talk. George Bush said the other day, not too long ago, in fact, he's been saying it since 9-11, why do they hate us? <laughs> what they hate us of us is that this administration has turned its back on those very value system that has made us such a great beacon of hope for the rest of the world. We should have been remembered in the history of the world for our commitment to individual rights and human rights. Yeah. Not for pictures of Abu Ghraib, not for gulags stretching from Guantanamo to Eastern Europe, not for the legalization of torture and the outlawing of habeas corpus. Who would have ever thought that someday in this great land of ours, we would witness the President of the United States surrounded by a bunch of <clears throat> right honorable senators <laughs> signing something like that in this country of ours? Who would have thought it? This is a critical election because we have to begin to provide some oversight. We have to take our Constitution back from those who would treat it, as the President was quoted saying, as just a goddamn piece of paper. It is not a goddamn piece of paper. It is the hope, it is the spirit, it is what we stand for. It is the one thing that sets our country and our society apart. We must get it back. 
Ambassador Wilson said he would actually give me a proper uh, mini interview uh, as the evening wore on, but unfortunately, I couldn't take advantage of that and because I had to get over to Sacramento to hear the, spe- the talk by Daniel Ellsberg. You should read Daniel Ellsberg's Harper's article in the October issue of Harper's Magazine about what is going on in terms of the targeting of Iraq for war. We're going to place um, the the link to that on our website, radioparallax.com, and we strongly suggest that you take it in. I was fortunate enough to be able to interview Dan Ellsberg for Capital Public Radio on Friday, and I would also suggest that you may want to dial that up by going to capradio.org slash insight and listening to what he had to say. One of the most interesting things he had to say in his speech over at CSUS was that the United States and Soviet Union retain nuclear arsenals involving thousands, like three to 6,000 nuclear weapons of a power 30 times that of the Hiroshima bomb. Those are the, the bunker busters we're contemplating using on Iran. Unfortunately, uh, we in the Soviet Union have never really dismantled all these weapons we have that are ready to launch on short notice, and a nuclear exchange or a nuclear attack on Iraq could lead to the kind of nuclear winter disaster, whereas some kind of a significant nuclear exchange takes place, could possibly end life as we know it here on Earth. Daniel Ellsberg knows what he's talking about. When he was a Pentagon analyst for the RAND Corporation, he's, he specialized in nuclear targeting. I have not read his book, Secrets, but I did pick one up at this event. Having Dr. Ellsberg's contact information, we're pretty confident that we will be able to bring him to this program in uh, the future. It's, uh, it's not uh, the first time he's heard uh, here uh, uh, on radio in Davis. I know that, uh, that Richard and Ron had him on Speaking in Tongues uh, a year and a half ago. I do not believe that is archived on the KDVS website, but uh, we'll see if we can get that on in the future. But let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.